All right, let's turn our Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. As I said on Wednesday nights, we're uh, forsaking uh, book studies and uh, covering some areas that just simply need to be covered. And uh, I guess we could do it on Sunday, but uh, Wednesday really fits well for some of these things that we're covering in these next uh, few weeks. Last uh, time, you remember we talked about uh, keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. Well, if you look at 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15, the scripture says, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Our main text comes from the second part, uh, the second part of the first part of this verse, where it says that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. Let's pray. Father, we come to you now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Give us ears to hear, to listen on purpose, to get some things from your word that will help us to be far more effective, not only in our own worship in our local church, but also help us to be more effective in what others get when they come to Madison Baptist Church. Have your will and way in our lives, and Lord, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as a pastor, I have a number of desires that uh, I would like to see fulfilled as I preach. As a matter of fact, I want to give you Bible truths that will make your homes better. I think that's a blessing. If you can give some things from the Word of God that will make homes better, and I truly believe that if a home follows the Word of God, it will make their homes better. But as much as I may want people's homes to be right, I can't control their homes. Your home's still going to be what you make it, regardless of what I preach. That's just reality. I want to give you Bible truths that will help you raise your children to know God, to love God, and to live for God. But I can't control what you allow them to watch on the TV or on the Internet. Or what you teach them by example. I can't do that. That's totally in your ballpark. But I'll give the Bible truths, I trust, that will help your homes to be more effective for the Lord. I want to give you messages that will help you be a godly testimony at work. And that hopefully your testimony will be such that you will influence other people for God to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. But I can't force anybody to love him. I can't force anybody to live for him. I mean, I want to bring messages that will help you to be a better witness for the Savior. Uh, I want you to pray. I have a desire for you to have a hunger and thirst yourself to get in the Word of God. I mean, I can tell you what I do in the Word of God for me, but if you don't do something for you, no matter what I preach on it, it's not going to do you a whole lot of good. I simply can't force people to have those things in their life. Here's what it comes down to. I, I preach and I answer for that. You obey or not and you answer for that. How many times in the book of Jeremiah do we read and also in the book of Ezekiel where God's preacher was told to go and give them the truth and then he would do that and the scripture would say, and they hearken not unto him. Or they hearken not unto the word or unto the scripture over and over again. That was the problem with Israel. They got the word of God from the men of God, but then they weren't listening to obey. They were just simply giving the sacrifice of fools, of taking time out to hear it. And the sacrifice of fools, though, is not taking it seriously enough 
to incorporate it into their life. But there is one area where I am responsible for as pastor of the church or bishop. Bishop means overseer. You see, as the pastor, and I'm pastor as well, the pastor is to lead the flock, but as overseer, he also oversees the flock. And according to what he says in the first part of chapter 3, that my house is to be in order, because how can I rule the house of God if my own house, if I don't rule my own house? Now, in the passage, uh, chapter 3, he deals with the qualifications for a pastor, and he deals with the qualifications for deacons. Those are the only two offices in a local assembly, a biblical local assembly. A Baptist church recognizes that God's word is the final rule in faith and practice. So we have two offices. There are no more offices than that, but pastor and deacons, that's it. And he gives qualifications for each of what they are supposed to be before they even can become a pastor or, um, or be a, a deacon. Now, Timothy was a pastor. And Paul, who happened to be his father in the faith, had something to do with winning Timothy to the Lord, was an apostle. And he says, I've written these things, Timothy. Hey, Pastor Timothy, I've written these things so that you'll know how you ought to uh, behave yourself in the house of God. Now, that almost seems like a no-brainer. Should we really need instruction about that? Well, yes, we do. We need instruction. Now, he's not just talking about the building. That's not it. The church itself is a called-out assembly, and the church assembled is the house of God. Whether they're meeting under a brush arbor or they're meeting in a, in a full building like this, it doesn't make any difference what the structure itself is. The church is the people, and it definitely has a definite structure. Now, brethren, we happen to be, as you know, a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church, but we're also to be a Bible-living church and a Bible-obeying church. Now, that doesn't mean anything if we don't know how to obey ourselves in the house of God, how to behave ourselves in the house of God. When we have special speakers, revival, as you know, quite often when I have a special speaker speak, I'll go down so all attention will be on him and not how I'm reacting to what he has to say. And I go back there and sit. And bless your heart, you people that normally sit in the back, I don't know how you get anything out of a lot of services. You have to put up with so many people getting up, sometimes children uh, getting up two or three times in a service, going out, coming back in, and coming all the way back in to wherever it was that they were sitting, which distracts everybody. Everybody sees them, their attention, their focus that was on the preaching of the Word of God is taken astray. I, I have to really make a point, listen on purpose. When I'm sitting back there in the back, uh, I, I'm basically a front row Christian. And I like being in the front row because, bless your heart, Brother Tony, you don't see any of that stuff. You're in a good place right there. Uh, I like that. There's a good reason for sitting up close to the front. Um, I don't, really, it makes it very difficult for people to, pay, to uh, pay attention to what's being said. Hey, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by what? The Word of God. You would think that everybody would be most, most concerned about their actions in a service being such to enhance 
everybody else's listening to the Word of God instead of treating it like we do when we're at home and the church service is being live streamed. Some of you will remember that when we first began the live streaming thing, uh, the live streaming thing because of, because of COVID, and I, I mentioned to families at that time, treat the church service like ch- church service. Dress up for church, sit on your couch or wherever in your living room. Uh, don't go running off to the refrigerator. Don't go running off to the bathroom. Comes, it comes the message time. You be sure and sit there and listen and listen on purpose. Sing the songs. Uh, for the service, make it a genuine church service and keep it like that. Now, some people did that for a long time. Some only did it for a week or two. And then, hey, who's going to notice you're at home? Who's going to notice? Well, the reality is God notices. And some of the things that I have to say about that may not apply as much to what goes on in the church service. At least you don't distract others, except others in the family, by not paying attention. I mean, it's not like a radio broadcast. or It's a church service. And at that time, we could only, in a, in a pseudo way, uh, actually be together. We weren't really together. But in the house of God and that which goes on here, unfortunately what's happened is we have begun treating what goes on in this auditorium like families treat what goes on in their home. And we need to be reminded of how we're supposed to behave ourselves in the house of God. I want you to get a hold of some things today. Remember what this place is. As he says in this verse, it is the church of the living God. Now I know, I know that in this day and age, we live in a country that has become, become so against God, so anti-God, that... It has no respect for God. I mean, if you just look, if you just look at what goes on in a lot of churches just around Madison, the pastors look like guys who, unfortunately, all their clothes are ragged. They were obviously bus kids and never got enough money to get out of it. Meanwhile, the weathermen on the TV channels dress up like their job's important. Those pastors are sending an entirely, a very horrible, ungodly message by their dress. They are to represent God as they bring the word of God and they look like overage bus people. And that's not a slide on bus people. Bus people, if they can't afford it, they can't afford it. But I'll guarantee you a whole lot of those pastors that dress up in their holy jeans and and their little uh, polo shirts, uh, I'll guarantee you they got more than enough to look decent when they come to church. This, of course, I could, they could probably say, but ours is not the church of the living God. Well, that may be true, but ours is. The church of the living God. When we come to this place, we ought to be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. We are not just putting in an appearance. We are here with a purpose. There is something going on in this place. This is the assembly of the living God. It's not a lodge meeting. It's not a Hollywood movie theater. Although I have to say when I was much, much younger, over 50 years ago, uh, it would have been over 50 years ago, the last time that I went to a Hollywood movie theater. I don't know what it's like today, and I hope none of you have any idea what it's like today. But I do know this. Back then, if you made noise, people shushed you. 
You were expected to be quiet. Other people paid their money and they came to hear. They, don't, they didn't like people getting up and down in front of them, making noise, carrying on. Uh, they wanted to be able to pay attention to what was happening there in the movie theater because of the money that they spent. Well, this is the church of the living God. And there's no movie theater on the planet that has had at any time anything more important than what goes on in a local assembly of believers. In the church of the living God. This is not a public school assembly. This is not a place where people meet and nothing important is done. It's not a drive-in movie theater. Live streaming has made us forget why we're here. It's not just for there to be the word of God preached around us. We are there to take it in. We're to hear it and allow it to change our lives. Several years ago, I went to a public school graduation. I believe it was the last public school graduation I went to. And if you wonder why pastor doesn't make the rounds for the different public school graduations, as I get sick and tired of the lack of respect that the people in their different congregations have for any speaker that gets up. At that one, people were carrying on talking. Here's a person. They'd prepared something for the group, and it may not have been spiritual, but the right thing to do if you're sitting there would be to pay attention to them, but they don't. They're just looking forward to the time when they hear their particular loved one's name mentioned so that they can go nuts and shout. And graduation was meant to be more than that. I... I, honestly, I wanted to stand up and say, shut up, everybody. What's wrong with you? I'll tell you, if I went to one of those things as a speaker and people act like that, I'd just close whatever it was I had and go to the house. What's the point? Absolutely no respect for anybody or anything but what they want. Well, all right, that's a public school graduation, but this is the church of the living God. This is a totally different matter. Understand that. But here, the preaching of the eternal word of God is taking place. God says that we are, I get this. Matter of fact, let me read the whole verse again. But if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, then look at this, the pillar and ground of the truth. The pillar and ground of the truth. Jesus said in John chapter 8, Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The truth is absolutely vital. So people ought to behave because of what this place is. Secondly, they ought to behave because of what's done here. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 just a moment. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And I will begin at verse 17. He says, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? 
For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign. The Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified under the Jews a stumbling block and under the Greeks foolishness. The Bible says in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Again, the verse in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, Faith cometh by what? Hearing. hearing. And hearing by what? The word of God. That's what's preached here. And the gospel is preached here. Therefore, we ought to behave ourselves in the house of God. Now, what makes preaching so important? I'll tell you what makes preaching so important. What's preached? The word of God. The eternal word of the living God is preached. The word of God that has the answer to all of life's problems. To see us through anything that comes along. To let people, lost people know how to get saved. All of that. The gospel of Christ is preached here. And also because of not just what's preached here, but also who's preached here. And who's preached here is Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, the creator of the universe, the King of all creation, and the Lord of all lords. Because He is lifted up, we ought to behave ourselves in the house of God. You see, there's a problem. When here's somebody that's got a six-year-old or a seven-year-old or an eight-year-old and they're letting them sleep right there in the pew while the preaching's going on. Say, so you expect them to pay attention for 45 minutes? They can sit down and watch cartoons for two hours. I guess they could sit in church and pay attention for 45 minutes. But that's up to the parents. Shame on you. Listen. Six-year-old kids pick up an awful lot in the preaching. They understand an awful lot. It's amazing some of the questions they end up giving from out of the messages, parts of the message that they hear, which is an excellent opportunity for the parents to talk about that with them later on. But if they're sound asleep, they're not going to get any of it. Listen, my daughters both were four and a half years old or four years old when they got born again. I believe the main reason for that was we taught the Word of God, we memorized the Word of God in family devotions in our home. Since faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, we'd already been planting the Word of God in their hearts, and they got saved young. Why? Adults don't, I'm sorry, children don't have to understand like adults in order to get saved. Adults have to understand like children in order to get saved. Jesus makes that plain in Matthew chapter 18. But when you let those little darlings sleep on the pew, shame on you. You're not teaching them respect for the house of God and the preaching of the word of God. Uh, listen, they can, they can pay attention. Hmm. I'll tell you, the crowd this morning loved all this. Of course, they're the ones whose kids are already grown. People ought to behave in the house of God because of what it is and because of what's done there, but also because who is there. Now, you already know this, but of course, in the church, whenever we have a service, we have both lost and saved people here, and they all have their own particular needs. 
But just think of the lost people. Here they are. They've come to church. A lot of times when lost people come to church, they don't know what to expect. Oh, they've probably seen a few of the TV programs and they've been in all kinds of different things that were called churches. And they don't know what to expect. If they don't see a respect for what's going on by the people who claim to know Christ and are members of the church, then why should they think anything important is going on? Just to be a testimony to the lost that, hey, this is important. That ought to be enough right there. Souls hang in the balance. You see, we, we had one family that left our church. And one of the excuses they gave for leaving our church was that we preached on salvation way too often. I admit every service, sometime in a message, or at least by the invitation time, I try to give the gospel, and the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, if somebody thinks that's too much, shame on you. There are lost people here. Every service just about. I mean, the crowd this size, there's bound to be somebody that's lost. There's bound to be a church member or two that are lost. I don't know who they are, and I don't have a particular who I, uh, any idea who it may be that's lost, and there might be several lost somebodies. But I do know this, that it's the gospel of Christ that is the power of God unto salvation, and they do need to hear it again. Even if my focus in the message is almost totally directed towards saved people, the lost still need to hear the gospel. They still need to get it. And the thing is, the people that are in the church, one of their greatest desires ought to be, if there's any lost people here, that they get it and not be distracted by some little child who's standing up on the pew looking back and everybody for the six rows behind them are all making Google eyes every time that little child looks at them. Mom and daddy ought to set their little rear end down and say, sit here and be quiet. And little kids shouldn't be getting up during the preaching going to the bathroom. You say, hey, but preacher, sometimes there's an emergency. Sometimes there is. But I'm going to tell you what. It's the same kids that get up service after service after service and go to the bathroom. Why? That's how they've been trained. That's how their parents have trained them. Again, I don't have any particular faces in mind or names in mind. I just want you to get this. It's my job to teach us how to behave in the house of God. And that's not right. And the sad thing is, they might be sitting, for instance, in the set. I'll, put, I'll pick the third row here. There are no children in there. The Williams are here. And uh, their kids are already grown. They're out of here. So I can't be offending anybody. Can I, Brother Joe? But somebody sitting in the third row like that, their child gets up, saunters back to the bathroom. How many remember those old uh, Sunday comics cartoon of the family circle? where that little boy would get up and he'd walk all over the neighborhood just to go someplace that was only just a few yards away and you could see him traveling all over the place. Some of these kids go out of here, they're just kind of sauntering back there. They're not hurting. You ask my daughters about it, buddy. They didn't go unless, man, there were tears coming out their eyes. They, they sat in the pew. Now, I was doing the preaching, and Mama was sitting there making sure they just weren't getting up and running down. By the way, some kids, as soon as you start the invitation, they're the first ones out the door. I mean, you start the invitation. We haven't even done the invitation yet. But anyway, the child gets up and 
saunters back through there, looking at everybody as they go back. Then they go out. They go to the drinking fountain. Go in. By the way, if they got to go to the bathroom, they don't, sure don't need a drinking fountain. And they don't need to replenish themselves when they come out of the bathroom. Sometimes they'll even stop and talk to the ushers back at the door. I'm talking about the ones that we have at the main doors. I mean, it's amazing the things they can get to keep from having to come back. And then when they come back in, instead of sitting in a chair somewhere in the back, they walk all the way down the aisle again where everybody sees them again. There may be some lost person that God's put under conviction. They've been focused on the message. And now that little darling walking down through there has taken all the attention away from what that lost person needed to hear. Shame on us. When we allow that to take place in the house of God, your darling is not more, <laughs> that's not more important than that lost person needs to be saved. Jesus died for that lost person to be saved, not for your child to go to the bathroom. How about that? Like I said, they loved this message this morning. They loved it. We had a family when I pastored Tennessee Ridge the man, the head of the home, his, uh, he was one of our deacons, good man, good man. It was a good family. Uh, but they had asked prayer a number of times for that man's brother, that deacon's brother, to get saved. And we had a revival. I believe the evangelist was Bruce Foster back then. And um, we were having a nice revival service. And Brother Foster, man, he preached it straight, preached it hard. That brother was there that night. They were sitting in the back on the right side. And when he gave the invitation, uh, first of all, there was a young lady that came forward. And my wife was dealing with her right down at the front, winning her to Christ. And, of course, my wife was engrossed in talking to the young lady that had come forward. And while he was standing at the pulpit, and our pulpit was much closer to the ground than what this one is. I'm standing there looking, waiting for him when he backs off to come in and carry on with the invitation. And I'm looking back on the right side, and the two boys, they would be the nephews of that brother that was lost, standing right beside that lost man, are talking through the entire invitation. My face was getting redder, I know. I was getting angrier and angrier. I had prayed for that man. I wanted to see that man saved. Finally, by the time that uh, Brother Foster got done with the invitation, I came up to the pulpit, leaped up in the air, came down, ouch, hit my fist back when I didn't have the arthritis like I did, and I said, That's it! Behave, young people. There are lost people that need to be saved here tonight. Service isn't over. We're having invitation. You say, don't you think that'd scare him? Listen, his focus is already gone. We ought to get angry when stuff like that goes on. And yes, there have been times. Now, I've not gotten after many people in the last couple of years. People have, people have behaved much better in the auditorium. But I'm going to tell you, people who get upset at the preacher for getting, getting angry, when folks, when young people, I don't care if it be teenagers, I don't care if it be juniors 
or if it be college-age young people, when they're fooling around the service, listen, if you don't get angry about it, there's something wrong with you. There are lost people here that need to get born again. And for that, they don't only need to hear the gospel, but they shouldn't be distracted. Everything that's being done should be being done to bring them down to the front where they could get saved. That is what it's about. We want to see these people born again. And I would think every born-again believer would want to see them born again. Which reminds me, even though I already alluded to this, but uh, folks, you know, if you're going to have a child in here, that's fine. I mean, if they're in here, you can teach them how to behave. That's good. That's fine. But don't have your three and four-year-old stand up in the pew looking behind you. Because I tell you, everybody, for the next several rows back, they're waiting for that child's eyes to come on them. So if they can... Well, they're not getting anything now. Their attention's gone. You know, the Bible says despise not prophesying. And that's exactly what that kind of thing is. It's despising prophesying. It's despising preaching. Think about it. I mean, the reality is I personally think it's best for young people to sit with their families. I think it's best. Now, I don't make it a rule, not a rule that it has to happen. And young people can sit together and pay attention. But it's hard. It's easy to be making comments about what they're hearing instead of paying attention to what's going on. Listen, we live in a terrible day for young people, and they need all the help they can get, but they can't get it if they're not paying attention. I remember several years ago when we were over at the other building, we had, we had seven starting football players of the Sparkman High football team that got saved, started coming. One of them, his first name was Eric, I won't give his last name, but Eric, I think he was a quarterback on the team at that time, but he invited a bunch of people out and he would come, his parents did not attend our church. He would come and sit right on the front pew. And when he would bring somebody else out, and of course he was well-liked and well-known at the school because of his position on the football team, uh, he could get young people to come out. And I remember one day, over in the other building, we didn't have four sections, we had three. And I think we had three. We did have three, didn't we? Yeah, Okay. And uh, I remember he was sitting right down here in the front row, and the guy beside him that he had brought was fooling around with a rubber band. All right, he's a lost guy. He doesn't know any better. And uh, I I looked down there while I was preaching, and I saw Eric look at the guy and said, what's that? And the guy showed him a rubber band. He said, let me see it. The guy gave it to him, put it in his pocket. He said, pay attention. He didn't bring that guy there to be comfortable. He brought that guy there to get saved. That's what he was burdened about. I know this. If I brought somebody into the church that I wanted to be saved, I would be upset for people disturbing him so he couldn't pay attention to what's going on with the preaching. For God's chosen by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. This is serious stuff. 
Some of our people work real hard at getting, getting lost loved ones or just, for instance, take the young people in the bus ministry that are brought out. Now, obviously, you're going to have a few more distractions back in junior church just because of the nature of the audience. But, I mean, if you've worked real hard Sunday after Sunday to get somebody to come, I'd think you'd want them to be saved, wouldn't you? And you'd want everything to be running as right as you could possibly run in order for them to be saved. But lost people are here, and that's why we ought to behave ourselves in the house of God. You say, but yeah, but the great majority of them are saved people. What, you don't think they have any needs? Think about the saved, just, just for a minute, just think about the saved people. Saved people that are here tonight. We got saved people here tonight that are going through some of the greatest trials of their lifetime. And they need something from God tonight. They need something to help them through the next Sunday. There's some people here tonight that have some great temptations in their life. And the devil's after them, and they know the devil can't get their soul, but they have been so discouraged by sin. It's interesting to me in the prayer of Jabez. Remember, Jabez prayer, uh, prays uh, for God to keep him from evil, and then he says, that it not grieve me. I remember the first time I read that, I thought, well, that's kind of selfish. You ought to want God to keep you from evil so you not grieve God. But the reality is for any Christian who's walking close to God at all and you find you've messed up, you've done something you shouldn't do, it grieves you. If you can do wrong, maybe a bad word slip out of your mouth, maybe some foul thought, something else. Uh, but if, if you don't feel bad about that, you're really, you're really calloused. Any believer that loves the Lord, when they have something like that take place in their life, it hurts them. They need the word of God that day. In some cases, it might be other problems. It might be health problems. And we've got people with health problems. And when they come to church, they're looking to God for some answers and some hope and some encouragement. Some are discouraged. I mean, the reality is some people have burdens like you cannot imagine. But one day, most everybody here will have a time of great burdens, and they need something. They need something in the proper fellowship, and they need something in the proper preaching. They need it. That's why we need to behave ourselves when we come to the house of God. I'm not mad at anybody tonight except the devil. I'm mad at the devil. I hate the devil. But I fear that we have allowed COVID to take away our respect for what goes on in the house of God. And it's not like we meant to do it. We didn't mean to do it. But it happened nonetheless. And unfortunately, we are not passing on a respect for the house of God to way too many of our young people. Some folks are going through some real financial problems. They don't know how the ends are going to meet. Man, they need to be encouraged. They need to be lifted up. Save people with battles need victories. Save people with sins need forgiveness and cleansing. You see, these people are needing something. There are people here, I don't have any doubt, needing something in this service tonight. By the way, I have to say, this has been the best behaved crowd I've had in a long time. This, I mean, you have really, people have really been good. Nobody's been moving. Everybody's been here. I had somebody come up to me Sunday night and say, Preacher, did you see what went on over in our section? I said, honestly, I was so focused on preaching, I didn't. I used to notice it a lot, but now 
Uh, now I've gotten so hardened and I need to pay more attention to it so I can get after folks. I mean, sometimes young people need to be taken out and disciplined. I understand getting up, taking them out. Just don't come all the way back down to the front when you come back in. We got chairs in the back. You say, but most of those chairs are taken. Yeah, but we got four back there right now that are empty. So that way you don't interrupt the focus of other people. Um, (laughs) Uh, We haven't had a problem with this in a long time. Hopefully we'll never have a problem with it again. But I have had a problem with it from time to time where somebody in the service, usually it's some visitor that comes, every once in a while it's some new family. They have a little baby and mama comes in and nurses in the service. You say, well, it's natural. Yeah, so is going to the bathroom, but I don't want you doing that in the auditorium either. (laughs) So what? Because it's natural. How does that make it all right? By the way, we've we've got a nursery back here where we've got a special place for uh, nursing mothers to go and nurse their children. It's back there. It won't interrupt the service. It definitely won't take take people's focus away from what's going on with the preaching. As a matter of fact, you know, we have done this before. We almost had to actually have one of our own members thrown out. Felt like he ought to be able to go into the nursery because... uh, because the child was back there. Absolutely not. There was two nursing mothers back there. They weren't allowed. Why would we be able to go back? No, you're not going back, and we'll bring the ushers down here and throw you out of here. We're going to protect them. Man, that's like the so-called play transgender people, guys going into the female restroom at Target. That's just wickedness. The reality is there are just way too many people who would just as soon let others go to hell than they would make their child sit still and pay attention. And that's not right. I mean, after all, if we're going to play at church, we might as well stay home and play basketball. So he says, Timothy, he says, I'm giving this to you so that you will learn to behave yourself in the house of God. Behave thyself. And as the Bible says, keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools which consider not that they do evil. Now, Madison Baptist Church, I think, is probably one of the best behaved churches in the world. But we've let some things slip. And it's up to the pastor to see to it that we get it back to where we should be, where people that come can listen to the word of God without all the distractions. May God help us. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Father, uh, we want to please you. I, I, I sure do want our church to be a place where when lost people come, they can listen to the word of God without having their attention turned to all the different distractions, and unfortunately we have gotten to the place that we allow to take place. God, please teach us. Help us to respect what you have going on in the church of the living God. Lord, where we need to get right about some things, may we do it. 
May we heed the warning so that you get the honor and glory in your house that you deserve. For we ask it all in Jesus' name.